What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you uh, aren't rocking a Mystery Ranch fire pack, well, your back probably hates you. Yeah, that sucks. They make, obviously, the most comfortable, the most well-built, and the best damn fire line packs in the game, hands down, period. But they also make a ton of other stuff. Yeah. And since we're getting into the tail end of the season, well, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out all of their load bearing essentials because it doesn't just stop at fire gear. Yeah. They make everything you can imagine. So if you plan on doing some travel, well, they have a solution for you, but they also are giving back to the community and that is freaking awesome. So mystery ranch has started and is continuing to do the backbone series. And if you don't know what that is, well, I highly, highly, highly recommend going over to www.mysteryranch.com and checking out the backbone series. Why? Well, because you can win a grant. <gasps> oh, what's this? Yeah. So for those folks, those uh, ladies and gentlemen out there that are going above and beyond for their fire career, well, now is your opportunity to help assist you with these uh, classes and all this training that you might need to have in order to progress your career. So $1,000 uh, $1, scholarships are up for grabs. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out the Backbone series and submit your story. We got a story that's selected to add to the Backbone series. Well, then it's uh, easy as that. You get that $1,000 grant. It's pretty badass. So once again, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that is going to be none other than Hotshot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But they just don't stop at kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes. Oh yeah, they make a ton of other stuff, like all of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, and a huge line, an ever-expanding line of Wildland Firefighter-themed apparel and other stuff. They even got some Christmas ornaments coming out. Hmm, about that time, eh? Holidays. But while you're at it, while you're over there at www.hotshotbrewing.com, go over to the little tab on the front page that says T-A-P-P-S. Yeah, it stands for the Anchor Point Podcast. So if you want to uh, help them help support us, yeah, anyways, long story short, Long story short, <laughs> Hotshot Brewery supports the Anchor Point Podcast by slinging some of our exclusive merch. Yeah. So if you are looking to get your hands on one of those uh, Band of Brothers tees or one of the Fire Fiend tees, well, now is your opportunity. So once again, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast would like to give a quick little shout out to our buddy Booze over at the Ass Movement. And if you don't know what the Ass Movement stands for, well, it's an acronym. It stands for the anti-surface shading movement, and I believe in the cause because, well, I absolutely hate that people uh, disrespect our public lands by not burying their shit. It is disgusting, and that shit needs to stop. So if you want to help spread the good word about burying your turds and get some of the finest poo-burying propaganda in the world, well, now's your chance. Head over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement and check this out. Listeners to this uh, podcast, they can get 10% off their entire order by using the code AnchorPointAS10 at checkout. Yeah, that's AnchorPointAS10, all word, all one word with the number 10 at the end at checkout. Yeah, 10% off your entire order. So once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement.
And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation. And if you don't know what that is, well, you should check it out. It's also known as the American Wildfire Experience. But what they specialize in is telling the story of wildland fire. How do they do that? Well, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. They have a digital archive, a digital catalog, if you will, of uh, wildland firefighting stories uh, dating back to the 1940s. It's pretty wild. And there's a collection of over 200 of them. And now it's an international affair. Stories from all over the world regarding wildland fire. It is freaking epic. Check this out. They're also giving back to the community. They have started the Smoky Generation grants as well. Yeah. So if you uh, are telling the story of wildland fire, if you happen to be a writer, a photographer, a cinematographer, a whoever, that's telling the story of wildland fire. Well, now's your opportunity. So go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check out the Smoky Generation. Bethany, you have a kick ass organization over there. Keep it up. podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, we are getting uh, lined up for the wind down of the season, if you will. And uh, yeah, it's uh, fast approaching, but there is always that exception of Santa and the season down in SoCal. So for those folks of those of you folks that are on the line, definitely stay safe. But today on the show, we are definitely going to be talking about just that, the wind down to the season. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about how it doesn't matter where you are as far as chain of command in this whole uh, organization or what agency you're with. It doesn't matter if you're a dispatcher, a contractor, a municipal person, a Cal Fire folks, some of the Cal Fire folks, or part of a federal agency, federal fire agency. All of these stressors that you've encountered over the season, well, that expands quite large. Everybody's feeling it. And like I said, it doesn't matter what rank or title you hold. So all the way from your GS3, all the way up to your NIFSI and Washington office folks, they all experience an immense amount of stress due to fire season. And we're going to talk about just that. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce for the second time, my good friend, Mr. Josh Simmons. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, for the second time, we've got my good friend, Mr. Josh Simmons. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Yeah, you know, living life, enjoying. Uh, oh, we're yeah. gonna do some fly fishing tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I'm just living it up here in Boise, Idaho, man. It's finally cooled off. 
Uh, nice, cool, brisk day today, man. Sat outside of the patio, cup of coffee, light jacket on. But oh man, it feels good to be going into the fall. Oh yeah, man. Leaves are turning. You know, it's nice and brisk, <laughs> like you're saying. You like sit out on the patio in the morning, enjoy a cup of coffee. This message is off oh, yeah. Hot Shot Brewery. No, I'm just kidding. That guy's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's cool. Um, yeah, I'm just uh just got done finishing up a bunch of honeydew list stuff like mowing the lawn, fertilizing for winter, and you know, I actually got to winterize my sprinklers for this next week because we're gonna have our first cold snap here in Reno. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, mine were blown out last weekend. I had a vendor come in and they blew them out, shut off everything, so just a couple mowings left, and we're into the fall and winter time, man. Oh yeah, man, it's coming. Yeah, did you draw any tags this year? No, sadly, I have been such a slacker in the hunting world, man. I haven't, uh, I haven't hunted in years. I keep saying I'm going to do it. And, I don't know. I guess I come up with every excuse not to. Well, hey, at least <laughs> you didn't spend a bunch of money on like putting in for tags because I got skunked right. on every one of them this year, man. Man, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, enough about this whole crap. And what, yeah. let's, let's, let's reintroduce you. And uh, so right. what do you do, man? So, uh, you know, I work for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I'm the uh, operations director for Wildland Fire. Uh, so just under the fire director for the operations side of the house. And then my, uh, probably during the fire season, what a lot of people see my name on, if they ever see it, is just, uh, I will sit on the National Multi-Agency Coordinating Group. Uh, this is my second term as chair, so that ends in December. So obviously my life for the past uh, four or five months has been inter- interagency coordination, man. And, Definitely a busy, busy year for sure, as we've seen with, uh, what, 99 days that we were at preparedness level four and higher. So quite a wild year for sure. Oh, yeah. They're saying as a... Re- was it, all right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but since uh, we went into PL5, the earliest we have in the last 10 years this year, and then also we spent a like a record at PL5 and PL4 or, or higher, right? It was like 69 days at... What would PL five and then you said ninety nine days at PL four or higher, right? Yeah, I don't know if exactly it was a record, but uh, actually, you know what I think it was. I, I, I mean, don't quote me on the stats, but I think it was record because I know every day we'd count up and be like, oh, today's day seventy two, day seventy five, day eighty eight, and, and so it was ninety nine before we made the turn to back to four and then down to three. So Jesus, man, <laughs> that's insane. A hundred days, right? Almost a hundred days, Ugh. right? Well, and even you know the thing with preparedness level three too is people think, well, you know, it's uh, it's it's calmed down, and it has obviously, but I mean, at preparedness level three, I mean, especially when we first ramped into three, already by then we were already seeing competition for resources between geographic areas, multiple geographic areas, uh, uh, you know, having large fires and potential. So it, it, three is still pretty active. I mean, it's still a busy time for us for sure across the country. Oh yeah. Well, that's another thing too, is like, I know that, uh, resources, you know, they're, they're up and down, I guess you could say. And it seems like this year to me from the outside looking in, I mean, you have firsthand knowledge of all this stuff, but it seemed like we just didn't have the resources available, like a lack of people. And it, it was crazy, man. Yeah, but it's hard to, we, we talked and go round and round on that, man. And it was like, it, it's hard to define that and say we, we legitimately had a lower amount of people or resources. It was hard to say that because it's, 
resource availability. I mean, you could talk to a million people and get different answers of what that means. And, you know, we could talk about how many set standard crews you have, hotshot crews, type two IA crews, all these things, and how many air tankers you have and all these things. But the variables, there's so many variables that really lay down what really was it. Um, you know, and we kept saying shortage on resources, but the shortage we see pretty much every year anyways. I just timing's a little different. This year is a little more difficult, obviously, coming with the pandemic. It made it difficult to really roster up uh, you know, full crews and things with just the impacts that were occurring. Availability, not availability of resources becomes but even just another source of, you know, what does that mean? Because uh, that availability can mean we're holding people local or geographic and not making them national, or they're just not up and available at all to fight fire. It's just there's so many variables. It's really hard to pinpoint that that uh, whole concept. And it was one that, you know, and every time we talk to different groups, it's like it's hard to really put numbers with that. It's just it, you're chasing a moving target every single day. Oh, yeah, man. I could only imagine. I mean, it's definitely a moving target, especially when you have like a lightning bust with already established fires coming through. Now you have emergent incidents on top of like, say the Dixie and the bootleg and all these other fires that are going. It's, it's gotta be putting not only the local resource managers, the local managers, but also the national like NMAC folks like yourself at a real hard position because now you have to prioritize fires. And that's gotta be something that one has to be just or has to be very, very difficult to justify as far as messaging and like to the public, but also finding these resources and like divvying them up to what makes sense, man. I couldn't even imagine what that's like. Yeah, it's funny, man. I mean, when I worked, obviously, when I was on a hotshot crew years ago, it's been a while now. So, <laughs> you know, at that level, it's like, I don't even know how we move. I just know they make the call and we're rolling, we're heading, we're on the road going somewhere. You know, and we're in New Mexico and Arizona and Colorado you know, all over the country. And uh, we, you just don't know what it means. And you have no idea what's going on. And you may even be a crew that's stuck at home and you don't know why. And, and it's like, well, it's probably because you're on, you're on pre-position or you're, you're, you're IA for the local zone or your gap. So, I mean, it's just, there's so many variables when it comes to that stuff. And, you know, once I made it to the regional office level and I worked in California as a region five for a while, you know, right before it came to NIFSI and spent 13, there, 13 years there and I was in the coordinating group and, and, I started learning what coordination meant, honest coordination. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and, and at the GAC level, you're prioritizing fires within your geographic area. And prioritization of fires varies so dramatically. And even that can be contentious because you're talking values at risk, threats, in, uh, threats to public communities. Uh, there's so many variables that, that uh, define priority uh, with fires. And, and, uh, and then you go to the national level here, we, we don't even prioritize fires. We prioritize geographic areas because, you know, you could, and, and, the, and the value variables you use for that are so variable because you, it might be number of fires, acres of fires. It could be just values at risk. It could be threats to communities. Uh, it could be uh, airshed impacts. I mean, there's so many things that define priority and, at this level, being on the NMAC, it's like, wow, it is amazing the stuff you go through. You go from the the exhaustion, the mental or the physical exhaustion, fighting fire, hiking mountains, swinging tools, running saws, sleeping in a tent, waking up every day, to the mental exhaustion of making super difficult decisions because it's 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 almost like there's winners and losers in the game. 
you know, because oh, straight up, some gag, right? There's there's a gap that's getting the resources where the as the others aren't, uh, and it's not that we don't want to. It's just you you really have a finite set of tools, and you can only do so much, you know. Um, so it, it just, it becomes a mental exhaustion. And, and I think that's what defines this past year. In fact, let's probably call it two years since this whole oh, yeah. pandemic started was the, the exhaustion that we all went through, you know, from being a firefighter, being just, you know, pushed hard on the ground every single day, the agency administrators having to make very difficult decisions to do protection under their, their, their jurisdiction to the GACs trying to prioritize and, and provide resources to the, to their ongoing incidents and then having to coordinate with us at the national level saying, Hey, we need stuff. You need to help us. And we have to, and we're trying to dig things out, making hard decisions, negotiating with other geographic areas, negotiating with our international partners. So at the national level, you know, we, we coordinate with multiple other countries to do things and then in military. So it's like, how, how do we find this? And then also what became even uh, more unique this year was we have to come up with more strategy on how to utilize the resource we have. And so it's just that mental game you play every single day, first thing in the morning until night, nighttime, making decisions on moving stuff. And, and it's definitely a daunting task that it was an eye opener. Once you get to it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see. And, and myself being on, being in hot shots years ago, being an FMO, you know, that, uh, you know, I'd never be doing coordination, but once you get into it, it's like, wow, it's amazing. What, how, stressful that it is but more importantly the importance of being able to do that you know it, it, it's key for us to just do our basic jobs for sure oh yeah man i couldn't imagine how complicated it is and like you said there's a lot of uh caveats that go into that but at the end of the day i mean you're coordinating warfare just that enemy if you will i'm using air quotes here is mother right. nature man <laughs> that's yeah and it's right. gonna do what it wants to do at the end of the day i mean you can't control the weather so right it, yeah, and it's amazing because uh, when you know the meetings we go into, it's funny because it's like, yeah, we're no longer swinging tools. Those of us sitting up here, it's like we're sitting in meeting rooms, or this year we're virtual, right? All on on a virtual platform, meeting, talking every day, and and so you have all your agency partners and cooperators that we're talking every day. This is what we want to do. Here's the needs. Here's the request. Here's what we think. Here's what we're futuring well, what's the probability of success here versus there? And, and there's so much that goes into it. And it'd be amazing to just do simple decisions sometimes become hours and hours of conversation, just trying to make the best decision because it, 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 it it'll have a significant impact on all the units that are dealing with incidents, including all risk. I mean, we had to balance this stuff with potential of hurricanes coming in and all these stuff. So it, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure to be able to do that stuff on a sing, every single day basis and being at, uh, you know, almost a hundred days, I mean, right under a hundred days at four and higher. I mean, this is seven days a week, twice a day stuff, including your regular day job. It, it's, it was an exhausting year for sure. Not just for, you know, firefighters, but I think everybody involved with the whole, all the organizations, I mean, agency administrators, firefighters, uh, fire leadership, you know, it, it's, it's, it was wearing on every single person for sure. Oh yeah. Even our cooperators. I mean, they're not like one part of this whole game, whether it be, you know, people up at NMAC or NIFC for all the way down to the boots on the ground and extending to our cooperators. I mean, they're not, they're not like insulated from any of the stressors. Like we're all feeling it. And I think that's the, the point of this episode. We were talking back and forth 
And we wanted to come up with like that wind down. Now that we're coming to the end of the season, you know, granted SoCal is going to probably go into their um, Santa Ana season here pretty soon. But yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about stress, mental health, right. taking a break, all that stuff. And it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that should be overlooked. Absolutely. And I think that stress is probably the thing that was the most daunting on everybody this year. I just like a lot of us, you know, that's probably listening here where we were on the social media scene stuff, you know, following the very following anchor point podcast and, uh, you know, house and all these other places. And then just our friends and buddies that we all see on Instagram and you see all these pictures from people just being, you know, out on the line, out in the command, um, teams and stuff and constant assignments over and over and over it's it's the 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 toll it takes on a person really does affect you significantly i mean i was talking to a buddy of mine who's doing pretty good and you know he's on an incident management team a type one team and he was like man he said just the incidents assignments itself independent of normal work he spent four months in a tent holy shit that's just unheard of stuff i mean you think of that alone I mean, some of us sleep good in a tent all the time, but I mean, not always. I mean, it's cold. It's like you're laying in the dirt stuff, you know, but it's like, even just that, you're not getting adequate rest per se, you know, and and you're getting up early and, and, you know, having to compete to get a shower and stuff and then bedding down late. That'll wear out anybody. I mean, none of us are machines. We're all, you know, as as cool as we think we are, we're none of us are machines. We wear down, you know, even machines wear down. I mean, shit, how many... Crew carriers and engines you see at mechanic shops because you wear out equipment, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to change your oil in your car, man. I mean, yeah. So, you know, the stresses that we all went through, it's the physical stress, it's the mental stress, it's the, it's the everything in between. And I'll tell you from a national level, man, we've seen things that are just like, holy crap, I can't believe this is happening. We've got to find a new process to do simple things like logistics, getting, getting equipment incident command teams and stuff no shit we, it was hard to find just shippers just people that were just like logistics just basic logistics uh i'm sure every, i know i heard people say what's going on with this uh memo that says you know we have to uh mobilize with three days worth of meals it's like yeah i mean this is just the condition we're in and so you stack all this stuff on top of it it's a stressor. It just absolutely stresses you out because you're dealing with stuff that just, well, shouldn't exist, but it does. And it's the world we're in because of the pandemic and whatever it is that exists out there. I'm know? sure it's like got compounding yeah. factors in there. You got the pandemic, you've got, you know, all these fires going off at once. I mean, didn't we have like a national hose shortage this year or some crazy shit? <laughs> like right from the get go. Yeah. It's like, I, correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, right from the get go. Right, right. We did have a national hose shortage, which is funny too, because we talked about that. I mean, I guess it wasn't funny, but it is now and thinking back at it. And it's like we couldn't even get hose, we couldn't stock hose at caches, and it was because there was a shortage in the resin that creates the liner of the hose. Yeah. Um, and, and then even like um, you know, another thing we had shortages on was batteries. We did not have batteries for repeater systems. Oh shit. And, that's not good. That's a safety yeah, so, that's a safety thing too. That's dangerous potentially right and and I, I i don't know how the the wizards and the radio shops keep kept stuff operating but uh you know it just it was all kinds of things from every single angle you could find you know even down to this this goofy too the stresses you deal with i remember one day we were having a, a meeting with the the geographic area centers and, and the coordinating group chairs to just talk about some things and we were up at the base the the inmac group and even just the fire alarms are going off 
And so all of a sudden the interruption, when you just got everybody on board during a very busy fire season, so having to scramble and, and try to get somebody to get, you know, the virtual system up and running on their phone, just to sit at a, everybody sitting around a picnic table, trying to hold a meeting and conduct a meeting to talk about important stuff like mobilization, hotshot crews or whatever, you know, it was like, Oh my God, you just keep throwing in one thing after another, you know? Oh yeah, man. Well, I think that's the thing too, is like, that's, that's another expect, or I'm sorry. Uh, that's another like stressor that we all encounter out there is the stressor of expectations, right? I mean, for, for fuck's sakes, man, you met the president, you had to brief the president on a national fire plan. Like that's gotta be stressful in its of itself, man. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It is actually. So when we got notified that the president was going to come, I mean, obviously it was interesting. For one, the, we've never had a sitting president uh, visit NIFSI yeah, or even have that kind of conversation with us. So that was cool. You know, and me for, I, I guess, I, I don't know if I was necessarily nervous per se, more excited. And it's like, holy crap, this freaking kid off the res from New Mexico is going to be doing this, you know, and and it was kind of neat, you know, and, and, and I'm the type of person, I don't ever rehearse uh, a, a briefing because I, I have to be just kind of natural. Yeah. I guess, I guess full of shit's the other word you could use. Just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, so I like, I didn't really worry about it much, but because it was coming and it was such a significant event, we went through days of preparation, rehearsal, all these things. And you had to go through COVID vaccination testing. You had to go through background testing, all these things. That's the stuff that's nerve wracking. Secret service going through and sweeping the bases and stuff like that. Oh yeah. They were there for days, you know? So it was crazy. Um, but kind of fun, you know, it was kind of one of the kind of cool things is, you know, they wanted to do the backdrop of where the presence would be. So they lined up. I don't know if you guys seen the videos or pictures online, but they had a hotshot crew carrier, a uh, couple engines and stuff lined up for him to view. And it's just kind of part of the backdrop behind the smoke jumper base at Boise here. And uh, kind of cool, fun part is me and my, my boss, the fire director of BIA, uh, him and I went and watched that crew carrier for Golden Eagles, brand new crew carrier, but it was just dirty from sitting in the parking lot. So that's I mean, kind of fun stuff just to do that, you know? And I was laughing saying, man, it has been years since I've washed a crew carrier. And I'll tell you what, I am out of shape, man, trying to wash that thing <laughs> by hand. <laughs> <laughs> You're up there on a the ladder trying to wash this and polish this uh, crew carrier. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh man, I am losing my, I've lost my touch for sure. <laughs> oh man. But it was cool. I mean, it was actually exciting. Uh, you know, we met and, and I, I briefed the president on behalf of the NMAX. So just talking about interagency fire and how we do coordination and the importance of it and stuff. And it was a great, it was a great thing to do it was it was nerve-wracking the day of i mean i went into the office went in early because we're not working in the office because it's uh, well a lot of us not i mean some people go in but it's still pretty max telework because of the pandemic you know safety but you're driving in and all the way up from the airport in boise and all lined along along the road towards nifsey was just protesters oh, yeah. you know because of the presidential stuff and that stuff was scary. I mean, I was a little nerve wracked. You know, when you're, you're driving in, it's like, man, I hope somebody just don't bust the window out of my truck. Or well, it's whatever, like you have nothing you know? to do with this either. I mean, it's not, you're not the president. It's like you're right. just briefing the guy. Like, right. But it was awesome, man. I mean, it's really cool to, to be able to do that and, and have that opportunity to brief. I mean, our briefs were fairly short, but the best part was they being able to open an open conversation with them after a few minutes and just talk and what's important to us and what do we think and stuff. And that, that was kind of cool. That was pretty neat. And I'll tell you what, man, it doesn't matter 
who the president is. It's just the opportunity to brief the commander in chief and, and be able to speak on behalf of us throughout. They're all just given everything we have every single day. That, that to me is what's cool. That's got to be an honor. And like you're saying, man, earlier off, off record, it doesn't matter if it was, you know, a Republican or a Democrat president, man, it doesn't really matter. You still had the honor and the opportunity to brief the president of the United States. I mean, really, no matter what, no matter where your politics line, we are probably, no, we are, we are the richest, most powerful country in the entire world, man. That's, that's, that's a big deal. It is. It is. It was, it was pretty neat. Uh, definitely a unique experience. I'm glad I got to have it. And, and more important, I'm just, I'm honored to be able to speak on behalf of all of us and, and at least try to do something good for the, the fire company, you know? Oh yeah, man. And that's the thing too, is like, I, I, I was watching the live feed when they're playing that and uh, everybody was like kind of pissed because they, they kicked media out of the room or what, what happened there? They like the live feed cut because they had to go move. I know the president, he's got a schedule, obviously has finite amount of time to brief with you guys but what happened there if you don't if you can talk about it um well the only thing i do know is that uh, they have a transition point so as you know they have them on a very tight schedule so it comes in you have x amount of minutes this this and this and this and this and they're they, you know secret service is very strict which is good they're keeping everybody safe which is it's good thing um and so they're and because they have to do transitions from inside the building to outside and stuff they had to herd the, the media around to get there and i guess in between moving media um out to step for the next day outside part of it i i guess somebody bumped the camera off or something happened like that i guess is what occurred there hmm. that sucks i want to see uh, that, what the rest of that conversation looked like man Right. You know, and, and um, I know you can go like White House.gov and you can you can watch the, the partial video, obviously, before the live feed shut off. Um, but really what we talked about was, uh, you know, the big thing we briefed about was the importance of collaboration and coordination and cooperation among everybody, all the federal agencies, local government, states, county, municipalities, contractors. It, it takes all of us to do the job. Um, we talked about the importance of being able to just to work work together and literally that we're we're striving every single day together as a group as an entire community to respond to these fires and and, and respond to threats and stuff to pro- pro- provide that protection is really what was a lot of the conversation um we talked a little bit we had somebody talk about uh, fire prediction services and the systems that are utilized and and potential outlook looking at you know detection systems and stuff like that and it's, it's just it was kind of a high level briefing but it was more of showing the importance of what we do because a lot of people don't understand it i don't think because they don't really realize how big the machine is and what the machine actually does oh yeah when it comes to this interagency coordination process you know um and so that's really what we tried to emphasize was the importance for us to continue this day in, day out. We're no longer in fire seasons. We're in fire years. It just transitions from, you know, one side of the country to the other and then respond and help in all risk stuff. I think it was a lot of the, it was really our emphasis there and, and the importance to continue to get support, whatever that support looks like from up high to continue supporting our people every day. Yeah. And then it's got to be a hard deal. Like you, <laughs> You're literally coordinating the largest. I mean, if you're talking interagency, well, even just the Forest Service alone with their fire, fire modules uh, or fire program, you're coordinating the largest professional organized organized firefighting force in the entire world. Simple as that. Right. 
And that is true, man. I mean, when you start adding on, you know, we take off our uniform and, and the, the, the color of the striping on the side of our trucks and you, you look at all of us put together what we're doing. It's a very large response. It's a huge organization. Uh, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in this organization that are continuing to provide this response every single day. Uh, and for a lot of us, man, it's, this is a lifestyle. This is what we do for that is in ways is defining of who we are, what we take pride in as individuals and what we teach you know, our kids of like, Hey, you know, th- this is the life we live. And so definitely, uh, it, exciting place to be working in and being involved with for sure. And then it's huge. And you think of, it's not just wild on fire. It's all risk response stuff we do. I mean, you know, we had so many people involved with like the, the vaccination effort beginning, I think December over it was and mobilizing people. I and mean, we, 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 as people, as, as this organization, we do so much for, for the world. I mean, for the country at, at a minimum, you know I mean? Not including when we send people to Australia and all this stuff, you know? Oh yeah, man. It's a thing too, is like a lot of people don't understand the, I guess the scope of practice, if you will, uh, of a wildland firefighter or just anybody who's, you know, falling under those, that IROC listing, you know, if you're listed in there, I mean, you can go anywhere technically, but it's, right. it's hard to explain to people when they already have a preconceived notion, because when you say you're a wildland firefighter, people automatically jump to the conclusion that you're either a, a smoke jumper or B Cal fire. There's really no in between. So <laughs> that communication right. I think is important for the general public to explain our mission and what we do. Yeah. Right. And, and it's funny because, you know, I think it's important that we, we show that praise and that, that respect we have for our firefighters, the guys on the ground, putting, putting themselves in the line every single day, fighting fire or hot shots or engine crews or smoke jumpers, uh, overhead. I mean, all these things, we have so many moving parts, but then you add on the support functions of the GAC personnel, the dispatchers. I mean, shoot, dispatch centers like, like California, where I came from before coming to NIFSI, they're 24 hour dispatch centers, you know, yeah. and, and you add on the stress that we put people through and not that we put people through, but ultimately that we take on. Because well, it comes with the territory. Yeah. We come with the territory. It is, it is an, uh, an enormous amount of stress and workload. And I know a lot of us do it every single day. It's like mop up. There's things that you hate, like, oh man, we're a freaking mop up today. There's parts of the job that we don't like, but for the most part, it's like we, we do this because we take pride in who we are and, and the service that we provide and that professionalism as an organization that we're providing, it, it's, uh, what comes with it is that stress and that exhaustion and that cumulative exhaustion from going months and months and months and months. I mean, you think about it, we, we do what, 14 days, 21 days, two days off, and then back out on the ground again. And for some dispatchers and, and even managers, I mean, basically like our FMOs or our local unit, just trying to keep coverage and, and you know, what do we do with a lot emerging fire there is so much stress put into our people at every single level and it comes with the territory, but it's one of those things that, you know, this, I think this podcast today is awesome about because it's talked about how do you know, how do you de-stress as going into the fall? How do we reset the body and the mind? Cause you have to, you know, again, it's like machines where we're not machines, but even machines break when they do, they, I mean, they, they give out, you know, I mean, you look at how much stuff is down and it's every single part of the system is wearing, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Here. I was, it was funny. Like I was, I was talking to some friends of mine the other day and I'm like, you know, for about, about a hundred days, if not longer, 
we've met seven days a week and it's like people think, ah, oh, it's just a meeting. It's like, yeah, but it's the stress of making difficult decisions, decisions that, you know, have positive and negative outcomes and having to manage through stuff. And it's not even just the meetings, it's the constant text messages and phone calls and all these things. But this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And, you know, we work in an emergency response organization to where not very often do you get the message of, hey, we caught that fire. It's, hey, we got another one. Hey, we need more air tankers. Hey, there's been an incident. And, and that stuff wears on anybody, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. And that's the thing too, is like all levels of this whole organization, that's all fire, right? They have to make on a daily basis. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie GS3 hotshot or engine crew who all the way up to where you're at, the decisions that you make every day have real world consequences. Good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and some of those decisions are a lot harder than others, but either way, it's that constant decision-making. You think of the mental state you're in. It's like, um, it's fatigue. It's you, you get that fatigue because you're running your mind at crazy levels, just trying to maintain awareness and, and make forward decisions and then dealing with the repercussions on the back end too, you know? Oh yeah. Well, it's not only that, but all those decisions that you're making that, that, Decision fatigue, that mental fatigue, combined with the physical fatigue. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you get calls at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, just like a hotshot superintendent may get a call at three o'clock in the morning, and be like, "All right, let's go." You know, it's it, it adds up. And now you have those. That's just internal within your career, right? These are just those internal stressors. Now you have all these other external stressors too. You got family. You've got arguably one of the most divisive cultures that I've ever seen. I mean, I've only been on this planet for a short amount of time, but I've never seen people so politically divisive ever. You got that. You've got, you know, all the other little things like my, my dog died or my car broke down or this wedding is happening and I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know, all that stuff adds up. Right. It does. I mean, the, the, the balance of life is difficult, especially, I, you know, I'm going to personally say my personal opinion that working in this, you know, this career, this lifestyle wildland fire is something we all take pride in. We love, I mean, if we didn't love it, we sure as heck wouldn't spend a lot of our careers in it. You know, I mean, a good friend of mine just retired yesterday after what, 31 years of service, you know, and it's like, it's a long time to put yourself through some pretty intense situations, but that's the stuff we love. And, and, and it defines a lot of things for us. And, um, you, but you're balancing that. And I don't think there is such a thing as balance per se, because it, it's difficult for any of us that have been in this, in this environment for quite some time, especially when you start building a family or you have a family, it's hard to balance the response and continuation of fire, even just basic stuff, you know, to, uh, balance taking care of your family, finding personal time, finding time to deal with the truck that broke down, you know, all these things. It's like, it is hard to balance this stuff. In fact, like my daughter, you know, she lives with me and a uh, teenager, which th- th- that's a lot of fun. That's a challenge in <laughs> itself. I bet. <laughs> right. But, uh, and thank God she got her own license. Uh, so she can drive herself to school and everything, you know, but she has to deal with it too. So it, the fatigue that she gets on and the families receive from this, because they have to deal with us constantly gone. And even if we're home, we're not engaged at home because you're constantly on the phone. You respond to the emails sleeping with your work phone because the things going off middle of the night and you have to deal with things The the fatigue is on us as the professionals and our families every single day. I mean, my kid, you know, she always tell me, Oh, you're always on the phone. 
you know, she, she can't, she gets frustrated because she doesn't have dad's attention all the time, you know, or go to her basketball games and stuff. And I'm like, I'll be standing outside. I got to take a call. It's a stressor. You know, it's almost impossible to actually balance it all out. It's important to, I will say it is important to try to figure it out, but it is really difficult to do in this line of, uh, line of work. You know, this lifestyle is hard to balance that stuff for sure. And so as an individual, you take that on, your families take it on, you know, it is. And then by the end of the season, well, by your year, I mean, we, we slow down, obviously, but like you said, we got Southern California still going into Santa Ana times and stuff, you know, we have, but we can take a breath for a second and that's what's important is trying to find that time to find, to take that breath. You know, I mean, myself personally, uh, you know, it, I've, uh, I've been mentally exhausted. I mean, this morning is the first time I've ever slept till like, I got pulled myself out of bed at eight o'clock this morning. That's the latest I've ever <laughs> got out of bed, but it's like just finally worn out. And it's even funnier, just the little things that become annoyance because you've been going so hard is, um, I remember back in the day when I was in shots in, in New Mexico, by the end of the fire season, We've turned in our gear and everything. The last thing I wanted to hear was a radio or a cell phone. So I, I would go two months without even carrying a phone or anything. I hated being around them. You just wanted to be disconnected from it, right? Yeah. And even now, that's how I am. So I'm like, man, I literally live with this phone is a part of me. And I have to every single day. And you get to that point, and that's kind of how I feel today. It's like, man, I am so tired of being attach that phone hearing it dinging and making noises and stuff and then you know there's a funny part about this i was telling a friend about this the other day i'm like you know i love working from home this virtual environment's amazing because you can balance life a little bit better um but you don't get away from it man like that desk that work space everything's right there at home with you and it does get wearing i mean because you're hearing your computer dinging all the time and stuff and it's like it, it does wear on a person for sure. And I think a lot of us probably feeling that I would assume, you know? Oh yeah. And that's the thing too. I mean, you mentioned the stress of, uh, or the, uh, you mentioned something there about dragging work home with you and that's kind of inevitable. Like I know I was guilty of it. I'm still guilty of it, even though I'm far removed from fire now, but even you, I mean, you, you bring work home. I mean, your daughter's pining for your attention and you just can't really do it. And there's a hard to hard separate that is a as a tall order in and of itself man it's 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 got to be hard but to complicate matters even further is the folks out there um that are dual fire relationships so you have like a, a husband and a wife or a spouse or, or a partner a couple in fire together that's got to be wildly difficult man <laughs> yeah. yeah i can only imagine i i i honestly don't live that but i can only imagine how difficult that would be and, and you know conversations at home have to be amazing it's like well my crew did this versus yours you know <laughs> i bet there was a pissing contest somewhere in there <laughs> right but you have better with saw than you are <laughs> no but i can understand that would be difficult and, and for the kids i mean the family that, that had to live with their parents constantly on the road moving back and forth or just the constant go you know it's got to be difficult for anybody for sure Oh yeah, absolutely. And then Grassroots actually just did a survey, this partners and spouses survey. And uh, I don't know if you got a chance to look at those results for some of the uh, updates on the website, but man, it's pretty telling of what gets dragged home. It's pretty amazing. Whether right. they're dual fire or fire and non-fire, shit, even retirees are in there. 
it's pretty amazing that mm-hmm. some of the responses and to say that we don't bring it home is an absolute bullshit lie. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I'll go down to downtown Boise and hang out and have a beer at the brewery or whatever with, buddy, with buddies. And, and, you know, we, we, our friends, we have friends from all over the place, right? But a lot of us have friends that are the same that work in the same field. Yeah. You birds of the feather, man. You, you know? hang out together. Right. And so, you know, go down to the brewery and say, hey, let's get some food, let's get a beer. And we're just talking about fire stuff. It, it, it's, it's just, it consumes the world for sure. We don't ever just disconnect from it. Probably good too, but we, we obviously don't because that's the kind of the connection we all have. Yeah. We all love it too, but it's like really, it is a stressor. It really is. That's peer support, man. I mean, what do you got? What do you got in common? Fire. Okay. Well, let's talk about fire. It's a, it's, it's a way of de stress. But then again, it kind of hinders you because if you talk to your normie f- friends, right, your people that are <laughs> not in fire, your normal ass citizens, they just look at you with a blank stare and you're like, yeah, I tried. <laughs> So it's hard to relate to people outside of fire. It genuinely, it genuinely is. Right. It is. I mean, that's, that's how I, I think human nature is. We, we, we relate to, and we do things with people that have the same, the similarities as us, honestly, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. We're, we're tribal in nature. I mean, at the end of the day, we flock together, we form our tribes and that's where that fire family thing comes into effect. You know, we hang out with our tribe. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but the big, big thing here though, is, is I guess talking about not only talking about these stressors and how we unwind from the season, we're slowing down here. It's mid October. What do we do, man? I got my own thing that works for me. Fly fishing is one of my things. So as in tomorrow, I'm going with one of my actual, one of my captains, speaking of hanging out with your, uh, your tribe, hanging out with one of my former captains and uh, going to go fly fishing. But that's like my thing. That's how I right. reconnect, de-stress. What do you do? Well, what do I do right now is mostly just taking care of the kid. But, you know, back in my past life, I used to, well, when I lived in New Mexico, I was a big time outdoorsman and, and, you know, would go out and just find any reason to be in the hills, cut wood or whatnot. And, um, you know, over the years, that's changed a little bit. Just moving to California, it's became a little more difficult. But, you know, the thing I used to do a lot, I used to be a team roper. And I loved it. And that was my thing. Horses, being around the horses, go team roping, go to some jackpots, hang out with some friends, swing, swing some rope. That was a blast. And, and that was, it was an activity that literally took me away from work. I would just absolutely disengage. I mean, this, the smell of horses being around in the dust, the dirt, that to me was fun. Or getting up the hills and pushing cows and stuff, ranching. That was the thing that would always help me reset as a person you know my mental state um i don't i don't rope now i just you know i sold my horses and stuff and i moved to boise and so it's like it's a good question it's like well what do you do now and i'm like well hell but the big thing i like to do is I like to go for a cruise in the hills I and mean, just even just get up in the mountains go for a drive sit up on a ridge top hang out somewhere and just watch the sun go down or get up early that's actually my favorite thing is just be up early before the sun comes up and sit somewhere and a cup of coffee, throw out the hot shot brewing, like their stuff. Um, cup of coffee and a jet boil, man, the tailgate, just watch the sun come up. Oh yeah. And man. just, you know, that, that is stuff I like to do today. And those are things that help me reset. Even just, even if it's a few minutes, still relaxing and relieving, you know, before you have to get back into the reality, you get back to the house and get mad, I do with the kid and you got to cook and clean, you got to do with the dogs, uh, get ready for work again, you know? 
Yeah, it's, a, it's the little things I think that matter the most. I mean, taking time for yourself, making that time for yourself with whatever you like to do, man. And I'm in the same, I guess, camp as you uh, about getting out into nature, man. Like I'm going fly fishing tomorrow morning. The sun's not even going to be up. I'm going to sit there and drink my cup of coffee and watch the sunrise. And then once you get enough light to where I don't trip and fall on my ass down into the river. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's my thing, man. That's like, that's like your Zen moment, right? And I think it's very important right. to... Uh, find those Zen moments. I know a lot of people listening to this, they're going to be outdoors men and outdoors women. Um, reconnect with nature where it's not work. You can actually see nature for what it actually is and not have these hazards or have to worry about this, that X, Y, and Z and the other things. Just get out there and like enjoy it instead of making it right. work. Right. I, that's important. I think grabbing those things that... that the big things, the small things, whatever little things we can do just to help us reset our mind. I mean, because as much as we have pride in what we do, fighting fire in that life that we live, we also have the other part of who we are as people. And, and it, I think it's important that we grab that time and we do the best, whether it's gardening, beating, sewing, fly fishing, whatever it is, just take the time and get out. Even if it's for an hour, you know, those things that help us reset as a person, because the work's always going to be there. I mean, literally, we you think about it, anybody can go to SoCal here pretty soon, or anybody can go to, uh, you know, next spring, just right around the corner. We're, we're literally just go back into training mode, train, reset, go again. So it's like, take, the, take that time, hang out with the kids, the family, you know, hang out with the buddies, uh, just enjoy life and reset, because it's, it's only getting more demanding every single year with everything going on in the world with you know, fire years and all these things, it's, it's not trending down. We're trending up into longer length, longer times, higher demands. Um, I think it's more important time than any to take that time to figure out what do you love or even just what makes you feel good for a little bit and just go do that. Oh, absolutely, man. It's just like the self-awareness test. It's like, well, what actually drives you and motivates you to just relax? which is something right. that, you know, a culture like ours, which is go, 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 go. I mean, you know, I'm like I said, man, I'm still that kind of person, even though I'm far removed from fire. What calms me down? What helps you recenter? That's the shit that you need to be focusing on. And that's another thing too, is if I were to do it all over again and look back at my fire career, dude, this is the time of year that I'd be taking a vacation. If it doesn't matter if it was three days, a week, whatever, I would be utilizing that annual leave. I yeah, it'd be cool to get it paid out at the end of the year if I was a, still a seasonal, but you know, I mean, take advantage of it, man. You're trading time for money and you've already expended a fucking ton of time, man. You've worked if you have a 1000-hour season or a 1200-hour season, I mean, you're upwards of a year and a half, if not more, a year and 3 quarters in a condensed time frame of 8 months. Take advantage right. of that, man. Absolutely. Get out and do those things that make you happy. I mean, for us on the federal side, obviously we get the, you know, the annual leave and I know it, it's all depending on who you work for, it all varies, but I know like, like me, I mean, I've got almost 200 hours of use and lose. I have to use. It's like, you know, taking this opportunity, this is stuff in my mind. I'm not the greatest at doing this myself, but it's like, yep, I probably need to take that time off and go visit family, go back to New Mexico, go see my friends and family, hang out. And you know, the, the beauty of all those hours work that we do is you got a couple extra dollars in your pocket. Well, might as well, you know, take some time and enjoy it a little bit, you know, ultimately enjoy those new tires and lift we put on our trucks that we paid for over the fire season, you know, <laughs> there is such thing as hot shot rich, man. You get that, uh, that end of the season 
well, you want to go do some retail therapy and typically you buy a hotshot Cadillac, which is a Tacoma with a lift and tires. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you say that because I got the lifted tender out in the front, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. But that's another thing too. I mean, it's like, stop. I mean, yeah, if you need a, a vehicle, obviously get a, a vehicle that is going to provide you the opportunities to do the things that you love. Obviously do that. That makes right. sense, right? But we get into this 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 cycle, at least a lot of people that I know, and even myself included, we get into the cycle of doing retail therapy, of wasting our money on fucking bullshit. Not advised. If I could do it all over again, don't do that. Yeah, I, I lived that life for a little bit, but then I had to wisen up after a while and I've gotten to a point where I, I personally honestly don't spend much money on myself. I'll buy stuff, you know, for a kid or whatever, just like I guess my retail therapy this year was not even for me. I bought the kid a car. Um, you know, and so I bought her a nice little car. She could drive to school and stuff. that's reliable. And so, but it's good, you know, I probably could save some bucks and buy something cheaper, you know, but as a mom, but you know, provide for the kid. But I did learn, you know, and it, it's hard lessons we all go through, especially when you're young, you just buy, buy, buy that, you know, freaking Harley sounds great. Or, you know, that new rifle sounds awesome. Uh, but there's a point where we have to learn, you know, especially for seasonals, it's like you got to balance the books to get through the winter, you know, that way you're not in ramen for the last two months, you know, the off season. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Cause that's another stressor, man. But oh, yeah, being bills, I, don't know, I don't know about anybody else, but when it's pay period, the last thing I want to do is open the bank app on my phone and start figuring numbers. So I know what my bills are and then how much I have extra, you know, it doesn't matter what GS grade you are. I'm, I mean, shoot for me, even like, you know, I work at central office level at Nipsey, but I feel like I'm more broke than I was when I was a hotshot, you know, <laughs> more money. So more it, it's, <laughs> right. So it's like, man, you know, it's like, it doesn't go away. It's all, there's always those stressors, but you know, it's, you know, taking the time to do what you need to do to reset and enjoying it, but also just making sure we keep ourselves sane and safe all the way around to get through to the next, next go round, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. And that's another thing too, is like, we, we, Another thing that we tend to do when the off season hits is we just go party. It's like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, that's like the the party hard lifestyle, work hard, play hard lifestyle. It, we all fall into that. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, it doesn't matter, right? Pump right. the brakes. Because you want to talk about this whole financial stressor thing. Well, yeah, going out and partying with your friends every freaking night, that is a that is a money suck, man. It's, it's horrible. And it's killing oh, yeah. <laughs> literally killing you. Well, you know, and it's funny too, because being a dad, you know, I'm at home with the kid and, and I personally like to cook and eat at home. But the nights that we decide, let's go out to wherever we go eat, you know, you, for two people to go out and, you know, just food, you're going to be paying 56 bucks. Oh yeah. And if you're doing that quite over and over and over or going out partying, you know, with the boys and, you know, drinks at a brewery or seven, eight bucks a glass. It's like, man, that stuff adds up and your, your paycheck goes very fast and your savings go very quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like you said, it's not, it's not healthy either. I mean, it, it's reality is, you know, physical fitness stuff and, you know, being a little bit older now, it's like, it gets harder to stay in shape, man. I mean, things hurt more. It's like, as soon as I turned 40, I mean, I, I was already hurting by then, but I was like, man, 40 hit. And I'm like, holy crap, am I hurting? It's like your knees, everything hurts. And, the motivation to get out and exercise gets even harder because it just hurts at that point. You yeah. know? 
well, things slow down too. I mean, it's a lot, there's a, there's a uh, direct correlation with age and, you know, your T levels. So you don't recover as fast and that, and you're already broken, man. All those past injuries are sneaking up on you like demons, man. It sucks. Oh, yeah. It sucks. But that, that's another Absolutely. thing too. But that's another thing too, though, is like keeping the physical fitness thing in, in mind. There's, I guess, I guess you, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, exaggerating here of course but there's no greater antidepressant than a little bit of fitness man get a good pt on that's good stuff for you yeah and it's funny like this whole pandemic stuff you know everybody having quarantine and lockdowns we all went through last year and all this stuff you know it's funny you read the memes like on social media and it's like oh you know uh, freaking i'm gonna get in shape and everybody gain weight and you know i'm one of those i mean i put together a little gym in my garage and stuff to be able to do something but it's like, you know, I did put on a little bit of weight too, just like a lot of us. It's actually funny. I, I had heard from a, a friend of mine that works in the, in the, um, cash system nursing talking about shipping and it's hard to ship because we use a lot of commercial air to ship. And, uh, this year it's been even harder to do that because the average American gained 10 to 15 pounds. So when you add up the weight load on a, a jet, there's not enough for, for payload to haul equipment. <laughs> that allowable <laughs> which is just a, diminishing. Which is a funny, Right. Which is just a funny thing to deal with, but I'm like, God damn, you know, and it's like, but the days I get out, cause I, right where I live is right off the, the, um, Oregon trail, man. And it's like great places to go for a run or I tease and say, I'm going to go for waddle. Cause I don't know if I necessarily run anymore, you know, it's like slowed down, but it feels great once you get it done, you know, especially first thing in the morning, go, go out for a run, work out, do whatever it is that you do for physical fitness, you know, even just to just go for a walk to get some air, whatever, really helps start the day, you know? Yeah. You don't have to go out there and necessarily kill yourself, but hell man, any movement's good movement. Just get out there and right. enjoy it. It doesn't have to be oh, like some hardcore PT sesh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, that's the thing too. It's like, that's another stressor we got going on too, is the, the whole pandemic thing. We're very much still in a pandemic and there's a lot of uncertainty with the pandemic, particularly with uh, the vax, no vax kind of thing. And, I don't really like to talk about it, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a stressor and everybody everybody's it's on everybody's minds. It is. It, it's scary. It's the one it's that one thing that's always in the back of our minds, whether we uh, believe that it's there or not, or we've been through it or whatever our position is in life on it, it is what it is. It's part of the you it's every day it's on the negatives, you know. I personally went through COVID. I got sick uh January, February, something like that. And it sucked, man. I mean, it kicked my, kicked my ass. I, I couldn't breathe. I still have breathing issues from it. You know, it's got long-term effects on breathing. And then, uh, so it, it just was horrible to go through. So I, I'm now I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't want to go through that crap again. It sucks. It's terrible. But more importantly, what sucks even more is when you're in quarantine, it's like, man, I'm locked in my house for two weeks. Can't do nothing. Not even run to the store. That sucks. Cause it really turns life upside down, you know? And so it, but it's those things we all deal with. I mean, just basically right now I got to deal with like every day I get the email from the kid's school, they had another positive case or they had exposure or some stuff. And it's like, man, I don't want my kid to get sick. But even more importantly is like, what do you do? Because if she gets sick, it's, it, there's all these ripple effects from it. Oh, yeah. You know? So it, it is uh, one of those things we deal with on every single day basis for sure right now. And Obviously, it's one of those po- highly political situations, which I don't like to talk about very much either. But Same it, reason why I don't like to talk what, about it either, man. Right. But it, we live with it. It is what it is. Whether, what it, 
whatever our position is and whatever our beliefs are, it's just part of life at this point. And it's something that just wears on everybody, obviously. Oh yeah. I mean, that whole mask thing, when we all went through the mask, wearing masks forever. Oh, that was, that was a hell of a thing for anybody, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's just so strange because it's, it's such a foreign thing. I mean, there's a lot of nuance and complexity with facial expressions, right? It's, it's a communication tool. It's body. It's like body language, right? right? Now you're taking that away. And also on top of that, to complicate matters even more, you're pretty much locked in a prison of your house. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully we don't go there again. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things. And this reintegrating yourself into what we would per, what the average person would perceive as normal life. Well, that shit doesn't apply to us typically. And I think it's important to recognize this fact that we have a lifestyle that dictates that we are constantly on the go but we also need to like realize that hey you know slowing down is good right i agree you know lessons hard lessons learned as you get a little bit older is like you can go hard all you want and that's good stuff i mean it's fun you know until it hurts but it's harder to recover and then you're more prone to injury i mean i, I deal with like uh, ligament issues right now you know trying to yeah and it's like just overuse from years and years and years of it trying to think and i'm and, and you know obviously i'm like i'll go in the gym, garage like, oh, i'm gonna go give it hell quickly learning i'm not 20 no more but on the other side of it it's like you know we go hard all summer actually for months and months i mean from the spring on dealing with some significant things whether and i'll tell you what man mental stress is just as wearing as physical on the body oh yeah absolutely you know and so and and, and talking to people a lot of my buddies and friends and family it's like it's cumulative, cumulative stress cumulative fatigue and you know, I, I'm also myself having to learn how to deal with that myself of how do you shut down and just take a break? In fact, today I took a nap on the couch. That's, that's abnormal for me. I you can nap? That. That's amazing. You nap. can nap. I can't nap because I got a six month old. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, my 15 year old, she's out uh, hanging out with friends. So I was like, I'm going to the house to myself. I'm going to take a nap here. And I don't do that, but it's like, you know, obviously we need that. Oh, yeah. And I woke up from it and, and it feels weird because it's just not normal, but I'm like, yeah. That's okay. There ain't a damn thing wrong with taking a break, relaxing, you know, just sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee without doing something. You know, that there's nothing wrong with that. I'm learning that. And I think a lot of us could learn from that. And it's hard for most of us, obviously, but those of us that do this work, we're just not the sit around type people. No, we just uh, constantly want to get shit done. Right. But it feels damn good once you do it. And and I'm still learning that for myself too. I'm learning that it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to honestly just relax and enjoy what you have around you for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And that's another thing too, is I've been kind of messing with is, uh, I mean, I'm not in fire anymore, but I've been obviously doing yoga. I mean, that's, that was some stuff that I brought back from fire, but you know, little things that, uh, I wish I'd probably done more of when I was in fire because it really helps. I mean, meditation, uh, look into alternative things too. Like if you have a workout that kicks your ass, go try a cryo chamber, try a float tank, dude. All right. I'm going to get on some Joe Rogan shit right here. You want to like do some deep meditation or deep relaxation, go to a float tank, man. It is wild. Have you ever seen those things? No, I never have. So imagine a tank of water that's like, it's got like salt water in it, right? So it has the same, it, it's buoyant enough to keep you afloat to where you're just like floating there in this salt water, but it's the same temperature as your body. So it's 98 degrees and it's soundproof and there's no light in it. It is a trip, man. And 
oh man, you want to talk about like rewiring your brain and just be like, ah, oh, it's so relaxing. Go try a float tank, man. It's, it's wild. Well, now you got me intrigued. I think I might have to find one of those and check it out. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just like, think outside of the box though, is what I'm getting at with that whole thing. You know, the right. yoga, the meditation, the float tank. I mean, try things that are kind of out of the norm. Don't do, you know, the go hang out with your friends at a bar and bitch about your job. I mean, it's helpful. Right. You could do that, but it's not always the end all be all. You got to have a, a multifaceted approach to taking care of yourself, especially when you have the opportunity like now. Right. Self-care is huge. And I think that's a big thing we could all take away from that is, is really engage in self-care and, and, and reset and, and, you know, resting the body, resting the mind. You know, we all go hard. We give it hell. We bust our asses at, at whatever we do, no matter you're a firefighter, a dispatcher, a manager, whatever your job is, you're given 180% all the time. And self-care, whatever that looks like, just really needs to be emphasized. And that's something I'm learning to do too. You know, I, I, I've never been good at it. But learning more and more now how important that is for sure. Oh, absolutely. That and communication too. Like keep in oh, check with your yeah. homies, man. Keep in check with your homies on the crew, neighboring crews, your forest, anybody that you're, you're just your normal friends, your normie friends. <laughs> Hang out with them. Talk to them. You, you got to talk to them. You got to keep, you can't just shut down just because, you know, you're going from a hundred miles an hour to practically reverse. Yeah. All right. And that's one nice thing about our community, man, and the fire community for sure is, you know, that's the one thing we all have is it's kind of like a brotherhood. It's like we're all family, brothers and sisters in this. And, and, uh, I mean, I've had people reach out to me and be like, Hey man, you okay? Just simple things like that go a long way. And it's like, at first you're like, yeah, what the hell are you asking me for? But then you sit back later and like, man, it kind of felt good just to be a, what's up, man? You all right? You know, versus, uh, talking about work stuff. It's like, just, just check on folks and Hey, what's up, man? Good, good, definitely a good thing to do. It, it, it's part of that mental care we need for one another and we, we can all act cool and tough we all try to but in reality we all have that need to just rely on somebody to just help us feel good from time to time you know oh yeah man once the season ends i mean well just in general check your ego at the door man i mean that's we have no place for that anymore i mean yeah there, there was a generation of firefighters that are you know high speed low drag don't talk to me about your fucking problems kind of people but we're evolving past that. And I think it's a good thing because we're taking better care of not only each other, but ourselves. Right. Absolutely important. And I think that's a big thing for us to emphasize. And when we see and you hear about that a lot of, uh, you know, mental health concerns and wildland firefighters and stuff. And it's like, well, it, it's on everybody. Every single one of us deal with that because they were, we're maxed out forever going hard and just simple simple things like that go a long way to help each other out and, and <clears throat> providing that care we all need. And, you know, a lot of us, again, like you said, check, checking your ego. It's, it's something that's hard for folks to show because we don't like to show that weakness, but we all have it. We're all human beings, you know, and it's okay to show that. I was, you know, me and a buddy always joke about being, being uh, fat and slow now and said, oh, reality. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to act botsu anymore. Ain't out of shock. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the thing though. I mean, it's like we're, we're taking better care of ourselves and then checking your, your hubris at the door. I mean, that shit, hubris heals nothing. So just check that shit at the door, man. Talk to each other, keep in contact. And like you were saying earlier, man, like some of the most meaningful things is just like, Hey man, how you doing when you got that text? Yeah. Like I'm, of course I'm going to be like in the moment, I'm gonna be like, fucking mean, how you doing? Fine. And then later, 
in retrospect, you'll look back at that and be like, you know, that means a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, when you come to the end of the season, you know, uh, the crews, everybody starts shutting down and stuff and people are going to wherever, wherever they're going to go to, you have that physical separation, but maintaining that communication, that text that, Hey, the, the social media stuff, just keeping that relationship, that friendship, that whatever it is, going goes a long way helps us all just maintain our family because we're all just one one large connected family you know we we joke about agencies we joke about uh you know what crew better than others or whatever stuff we all joke about you know but in all reality we all we all respect each other and we all we all do the same thing and work hard bust ass and put in the same service and you know we all honestly care we just like that cool and it's on the line but you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans and it's good to care for one another. And just, you know, it's good stuff. Humor is always fun too. I mean, we see humor all over the place and humor is a good thing and joking with everybody, you know, that's just part of it. So that's how we do stuff. And that, that's good stuff to do, you know? Oh yeah, man. There's a time and place to take yourself seriously, but also there's also a problem with taking yourself a little bit too seriously, man. Keep shit lighthearted, man. When, when appropriate. Right. Well, it's funny because, you know, I at work, <laughs> obviously when I'm at work, I, I maintain a, a very professional t- style of appearance, you know, you be careful and, you know, and, and, and I take my job serious. I mean, I, I do maintain professionalism and I, I'm very careful about how I communicate even just simple emails and texts. I'm not, I'm not short sighted. I actually am very thorough about what I say and do and not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I, I do strive to push hard to be professional every day. But when I'm not at work, I enjoy just having fun and hanging out and, and laughing, joking, teasing, harassing, doing the same stuff we all like to do and talk crap with everybody. I mean, it's just, that's who I am as an individual. I'm just a very outgoing person, I guess. And um, nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's just how we, how I am and, you know, enjoy having those kind of conversations with people for sure. Oh yeah, man. And that's the thing, like, like I said, man, time and place, right? I mean, it's a little bit right. different when you're at, you know, the NIFSI level, but you know, I mean, when you're on the line, you probably shouldn't be playing grab ass if you're the GS4, <laughs> you know? But yeah, time and place, man. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah, man, all of these things, though, that we talked about today on the podcast, I think they're very important. Um, and it's also like that, it's, it's also that time of season to where we're winding down and we really need to take this stuff into account, right? With that being said, man, do you got any other like tips and tricks or any pieces of advice, words of wisdom? anything profound you want to say to like anybody out there because coming from the NIFSI level with your experience, it just goes to show that the boots on the ground, whether it's that GS4 all the way up to you, we all experience those stressors and that end of season kind of tension, right? We're not... No one in particular is insulated from this. We all experience it in our different ways. So with that being said, man, what, what kind of advice, if you had one piece of advice to give somebody... Well, I think, you know, I, I, for me, I mean, I look at this stuff and again, this is just, you know, after looking at my career for years, being a firefighter on a shot crew, being at different levels and working up to here, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter the position we hold every single day and the jobs we do and the titles or the collar brass or whatever it is, we're all human beings and, and we all get exhausted. We all get mentally worn out. It happens to every single person. And it's okay to admit it. I mean, we don't have to walk around saying that, say, no, I'm, screwed up. I don't have to do that. But, but just recognizing ourselves 
you know, it, it it's there. I mean, one thing is just having that, you know, in fire, we teach awareness, situational awareness, be aware of your surroundings. Same thing for ourselves as people, but maintain that situational awareness for yourself and recognize those, those indicators that say, I need a timeout, man. I mean, for me, the one that I keep being reminded of recently is like, you're forgetting 8 million things. And, and normally I don't forget things. I'm very sharp, but I'm not man. So it's like, okay, that's probably a red flag to show me that uh, I need to slow down and take a break. I'm just beat down, you know? And it, so I think that's an important thing is maintaining that situational awareness on ourselves and recognizing and accepting, you know, I am tired. I am worn. I think that's important for ourselves, but also telling our buddies, Hey man, you look pretty tired. You okay? I think it's okay for us to do that stuff. And then also, you know, it's funny I say this, but you know, being at all these levels, it's important for us all to have the awareness that whether you're a firefighter, uh, no matter what you do as a firefighter or a dispatcher or a manager or, you know, desk jockey, whatever it is, We've all been in it for a long time. We've all done extreme amount of hours, whether it's mental, physical, whatever it is. We've been in this stuff for a long time this summer, this year, this entire year has been, and we still have Southern California to go. So recognizing that, you know, we're in this together and, and recognize that we, we can help each other as needed and, and support each other as needed, but take those breaks, recognize that it's okay to take a break and let's do that. Every single person take that day off, take a few days off, um, find those things. Like you said, that, you know, those will help the mental reset, the physical reset and, and slow down a little bit and just enjoy the ride for a little bit, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. It doesn't matter if you're a dispatcher, a GS three or four, or all the way up to NIFSI or even a cooperator, even our municipal departments that are listening in on this as well. I mean, take the time for yourself, man. Absolutely. I agree with you. Right. We've all been in it, man. It doesn't matter who you work for. If you're federal, local government, local city, municipality, contractor, we've all been in this. It doesn't matter who's paying, who's paying us a dollar bill to be there. We've been in it hard. We've been dealing with some extreme things, uh, even the public. I mean, even those that aren't in the fire service and are just part of the community, they have been impacted. You think of communities that have been devastated by fires or smoke. I mean, you know, Boise this year, we really haven't had much for fire around Boise area very much, but just being smoked in for months at a time, that is wearing on people. Your allergies are up. You can't, you know, it's just, it's ugly, whatever, but just recognizing that, you know, it's okay for us to slow down, take that break and realize that we've all been in this and we're all human beings and we all need to just look out for one another, but just, you know, recognizing that it's okay to slow down, take that break, every single person and, and having a patience with one another, because we've all dealt with a lot. And I think that's a huge thing to understand. Oh, absolutely, man. Excellent words of sage advice, man. I always appreciate you being on the show, <laughs> but with that being said, man, we always give the opportunity per tradition to uh, give a shout out to a homie hero mentor. Who do you got for us, man? Well, there's quite a few, but the one I want to do give a shout out to is uh, my buddy, Kip Morrill. Uh, he was a aviation aviation officer there out of the Pacific Northwest. He just retired. Yesterday was his uh, last day after I think 31 years of service, if I didn't butcher that. Just want to give a shout out to him, you know, moving on that new adventure in life. Uh, love seeing those of us that make go through our career, kick ass and stuff. And obviously we all do it. And 
uh, I want to say congratulations, Kip. That's awesome. And now it's maintaining that friendship and we'll see you down the road in the RVs, man. He's a big RV or so <laughs> in that van so, life. Congratulations. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Josh, thank you for your words of advice, man. And, uh, also thank you to, uh, exposing what it's like as far as going all the way up to Nipsey, man, what it's like in your position. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good words of advice to let people know that no one in particular, no matter what position they're in, we're all subject to the same stressors, man. That's, that's good. I think people need to hear this. Oh yeah. Great awareness for everybody. It's definitely something that, you know, even I learned, I mean, getting up to this point, it's like, Holy crap. I didn't realize being a desk jockey up here is just as stressful as it was, you know, doing other things. It just, it's just a different type of stress is all. And, but, uh, you know, shout out to all of us that have been out through it this entire year. You know, the fire service, no matter who you work for, shout out to everybody for kicking ass, putting up with a lot. Uh, and a shout out to the communities for tolerating us and, and having to deal with the impacts of their homes or communities. So just shout out to everybody for sure for this. Hell yeah, Josh. Well, man, thank you for once again for being on the show. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one, dude. Sounds good. <laughs> right on, guys. Catch you later. And boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point podcast is in the books with my good friend, Josh Simmons. Josh, dude, thank you so much for coming by and uh, talking about how uh, things are coordinated over in NMAC and Nipsey. Yeah, I know you're pretty high up the chain, but it goes to show all of the, well, it goes to show all the listeners that you experience uh, a lot of stress over the course of the season. And uh, that sentiment can be reflected across the entirety of the fire service and civilian population as well. Just the general public. We've had a pretty rough season and we've had two of them in a row. So a lot of uh, things to be talked about and a lot of realities that we need to face as far as uh, a community. Yeah. So with that being said, talk to each other, check in on each other. Stop the drinking to excess. I mean, if you want to have a couple beers or whatever, fine. That's that's whatever. But watch it. You know, keep an eye out on each other, and uh, yeah, reconnect with nature to where it's not a work mode. This is some big things. It's uh, only going to help your mental health. And uh, since it's the wind down to the end of the season, this is the time to be talking about this stuff and being real, real with each other. So, with that being said, take care of yourselves, and yeah, do what you need to do to reconnect with your friends, your family, your loved ones, get it together. This is the hard part. Obviously we always struggle in the winter, but it doesn't have to be so hot. It doesn't have to be so hard or as bad as long as we learn how to take care of ourselves. So a little self-awareness and a little bit of uh, situational awareness with your crew and yourself, you know, it's going to go a long ways. So hope everybody enjoyed the show. And uh, yeah, we got a special shout out to our sponsors. We got Mystery Ranch, makers of the finest, most well-built, most comfortable damn fire packs in the entire fire game, plus a whole bunch of other stuff like the Backbone series. If you want to go check that out, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out the Backbone series. We've got Hotshot Brewery. Kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So if you want to get your hands on some merch, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. We've got the ass movement, the anti-surface shitting movement. It is the finest in poo-bearing propaganda. And if you want 10% off your entire order site-wide, well, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement and enter the code anchorpointass10 for 10% off your order. And last but not least, we've got the Smoky Generation. 
Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. As for the rest of you, y'all know the drill. Stay safe, stay savage, peace. And for, for, for F's sakes, take care of each other. Peace.